Hi, welcome back. It's Justine Harcourt to Tourville, and we're having another episode with Virtual in our series where we speak with the makers and shakers of cinematic VR and storytelling. In today's episode, we're going to learn how Welcome to Pine Point, an interactive piece from Canada, sparked a life-changing fascination in experimental storytelling and Yelena Rachitsky, now executive producer for Experiences at Oculus VR. She tells Virtual about her brave journey to find more participation and engagement in storytelling back when there was no straightforward career path. Most recently, Yelena was part of the team behind Traveling While Black, a poignant, immersive project that looks at race in America through elements like proximity and multidimensional artistry. You'll want to hear more, so stay tuned. All right. Well, welcome, Yelena. I wanted to find out how you first started this journey that got you into virtual reality. Yeah. So uh, let's see, maybe about almost 10 years ago, I was working in documentary film at Participant Media. And I was working on projects like Food Inc. and Waiting for Superman and came shortly after the time of An Inconvenient Truth. Um, So I personally saw how film and storytelling can really shift people's perspective. Um, But also at that time, I was also seeing artists and storytelling starting to experiment a bit bit more with technology and creating interactive storytelling. Uh, And places like Canada and Europe that have public funding for just the raw experimentation of of arts, as you probably know well, was we're putting funding towards just experimentations of interactive storytelling. So the National Film Board of Canada had a project called Welcome to Pine Point that really inspired me. Um, Bear 71 uh, and Arte also in France was doing a lot of experimentations. And that kind of like just sparked something in me, something interesting of thinking about participation in storytelling and the audience feeling like they're part of something because if you feel like you're part of something then you're more engaged and so I started just going after that and investigating it a bit more at Sundance I also got inspired at the new frontier section at that time I think it was just projection mapping and these immersive installations and it was in the basement over at Sundance but I knew that there was something there so I just I left without actually knowing what my next job was really just to explore that and to figure out what that was. Well, that's brave. And was that a little nerve wracking or did you feel super confident that you would find the right thing? Yeah, I know it was nerve wracking, but when you're young and have minimal responsibilities, it's the time to take those chances. Uh, and then I knew that there, there was something unique there. It was definitely much more nerve wracking for my parents. They were not, <laughs> we were immigrants from Russia and you know, everything was about creating safety and, for them, it didn't make any sense. They're like, you can't even define what this thing is that you want to do. Um, but I knew that there was something to explore there. I was also just seeing this, the landscape shift a little bit, just more interest happening in that. But it was true. I couldn't define it. There wasn't really a job for that necessarily. There wasn't really a career path for that necessarily. But I just kind of followed that gut feeling. So how did that translate in real life? What did you do after you had this you know, pull this aha moment that this is where I want to go. What did you do next? I told a lot of people what I was interested in, um, this kind of marriage between technology and storytelling. And I was doing freelance producing at that time as well. Uh, and I 
actually serendipitously ended up getting a job at Sundance New Frontier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kamal Sinclair, who uh, runs a New Frontier story lab there, she was pregnant. She was going on maternity leave and they were looking for someone to replace her while she was gone. And I, the person that I was talking to had no idea that this was something I was interested in and actually brought it up. So it was just this perfect marriage. And so I took over New Frontier Story Lab at the time that Kamal was on maternity leave and it was just a ripe time of exploring that landscape. So basically my job was to understand what was happening and understand which artists were making stuff and kind of searching out all the ends of the world to see what unique things were coming out. Um, so I was doing that for a little while. And then when Kamal came back, I actually started working with Shari Frilo, who's the curator of New Frontier. And again, I started looking for actual projects that, that we would bring. Um, and I remember not, not that first year, maybe that following year, we saw the, um, the Kickstarter campaign for Oculus. And we're like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, there was, it was just the Kickstarter campaign at that time. And me and one of the producers went down to the Irvine office um, when they had, I think, one demo set up in like an office corner. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they had something like uh, VR cinema, which basically was a CG environment of a movie theater and, <laughs> and, and, and a short film that was playing and a, a couple other small things. And, it, you know, it's obviously early prototypes. It wasn't really storytelling, but it was, I think both of us saw as something that had potential to it. And so we brought it to Sundance um, that following year. And I really think it's one of the things that kicked off a lot of wider interest in um, New Frontier. They went from being kind of the weird kids in the corner to just the hot the hot kids on the block that everyone wanted to see. But what was unique about that was that um, traditional storytellers who came to that space when in the past, you know, they would come and they would appreciate what they saw. They finally saw that this technology has something that they could offer it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sparked a lot of interest of um, that convergence of more of the technology boundary pushers and traditional storytellers, which was very, very exciting. Like you just saw kind of a sparkle in their eye. Um, and so after that, I didn't go straight into VR. I actually moved over to New York and worked at a place called the Future of Storytelling, <laughs> continuing to investigate that space, um, curating and programming um, the summit and uh, an exhibition called Sensory Stories at the Museum of the Moving Image, which was we had one of the first VR projects exhibited for about three months at that time, which was very maverick. Um, and then after a couple of years there, I came over to Oculus Story Studio. There was um, the team uh, was working on some really exciting stuff. How and big so, was the team? I forgot how big the team was at that time. Um, uh, yeah, I forgot how big that team was at the time, but it was just a, such a talented team. People from gaming, people from Pixar. Um, and at that time I was questioning, well, I love all the other things that are happening, but to me, VR really was the convergence of so many of the other creative mediums that people were using. Like for instance, projection mapping, you know, projection mapping hacked with connect sensors, which you can use your body in the space, um, uh, and interactive web projects where you can make it much more compelling. So I felt like this was a technology that actually brought together all of those, other technologies that were always like very site specific mm -hmm. um, and making it more accessible and making it more accessible for creators and also for audiences so that we 
don't always stay in these, you know, small pockets of people who are making stuff, but we're actually able to make that work and bring that talent to a bigger audience. So I just kind of jumped right in <laughs> and, and, and went with that. So, um, and that, and that was, and that was really exciting. We, and what year was this that you came, this is you going from the future of storytelling to Oculus? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And what year was that? That was about, that was about three and a half years ago. Okay. And you've been at Oculus ever since. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And in this time that you've been here, is there anything particular that you're especially proud about? Of course, everything, but the one creme de la creme that you're most excited about? Yeah, I know. It, it definitely feels like I've been here longer than three and a half years. I always talk about VR as dog years, where it feels like every year has been seven years because <laughs> so much has happened. Um, and I feel like we've created so many projects that I'm, I'm personally really proud of. I guess that the, the first one, if I, if I go chronologically, what was um, something that was really memorable was Henry from Story Studio winning the first Emmy for Best Original Interactive. And that just felt like a very seminal moment um, where VR was recognized and, and and appreciated. And we started really seeing it as an art form. And that was very exciting for the team, but also very, very exciting for the industry. Because I think the community generally were always like kind of pushing each other up. And every time we break through some sort of ceiling, it kind of brings everyone up too. So I just remember that being a really special moment. Um, I also am really proud of Dear Angelica, which is a project that we made with a tool that was created specifically for the project Quill. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's all hand-drawn. Right. And there's something really unique and special about something that's hand-drawn. You just feel the human touch of it and it wows everyone and it makes people cry. It's just an example of another example of VR as an art form and as a storytelling vehicle and also something different than people expected because it doesn't have that CG look. It really has that human creative kind of push to it. Um, I feel like that's somewhat of a timeless piece. You can watch it over and over again. Now, even a few years later, it still it still feels fresh. Um, and now Quill is its own thing. And now a lot of storytellers and artists are starting to make some incredible projects using it. So it was really exciting to be part of that moment. Um, I've also, let's see... Last year at Sundance was also incredibly exciting for me. We had five projects there. Wow. Um, there was a project called Spheres. Yes. And that was really special because that was uh, a creator that I valued a lot, Eliza McNitt. And me and um, a former colleague, Sashka, who unselled, who was the director of... Um, of Dear Angelica and the creative director of Story Studio, we gave a masterclass at NYU uh, two and a half years ago. And I remember this girl came up to us and she was telling us about this space opera VR project. And we're like, oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> what we didn't know was that she actually snuck into the class. She wasn't a student, <laughs> but she, you know, she had so much like gumption and she was, you know, she wasn't going to take no for an answer creating her project and spheres came out of that actually and so it's been really exciting to see her start from coming and finding us in this master class in NYU on a cold winter day to getting all of this recognition of winning um a Venice Lion yeah. of being the first deal out of Sundance of uh just so many breakthroughs that she's been able to have and as well as the partnerships that she's also been able to form including Darren Aronofsky and now it's at the Rockefeller Center and so to see something start from so such like a small nugget 
to get to where it is now and um, continuing to, and it was also the first project at Telluride, um, first VR project at Telluride. And to, to see where it gets now, especially a strong female director, I think Yay. was was really special <laughs> for me. Um, and the seven figures. I mean, I think that she did so much for the industry and being able to form those alliances and develop that kind of funding gave hope to so many makers. Um, and so, yes, she's done a lot of great work there. Yeah. Yeah. And the partnerships that she's been able to form, um, a lot of the out of the box creative thinking of how to get support and how to, you know, push it to, to so many different places. And that's, that, that's what it takes. But I agree. It's just anyone that succeeds, it just helps the rest of the community. Um, this past year at Sundance was also really special. I think showing Traveling While Black, that's also been a passion project. I've known the director, Roger, for the past six years or so. Do you want to talk about it a little? Um, sure. So Traveling While Black was initially um, was initially something that was part of the Sundance New Frontier Story Lab. So it's just like in the first story lab a long time ago. And I think he was trying to figure out, uh, Roger Ross Williams, he was trying to figure out where the projects, what, what, what it is initially. Is it like a transmedia project? Um, we brought him to future of storytelling one year and it was, <laughs> they experimented with this technology, this like beacon technology where if you come close to a person, it activates something. Um, and then ultimately it turned into what it is, but it's just had a lot of different lives. And, and ultimately they connected with Felix and Paul studios and really formed bond. Um, it's really important for a traditional creator to find uh, a team, a technical team that really understands what they want and that they have a really great relationship with. Do you mean it's important for the technical team to understand the story and be behind it or the vision of the story? It's a combination of both, but also just to really get along with the director, to feel like you're mind melding, to feel like they're understanding it. And I think Felix and Paul Studios also coming from documentary understood what Roger was going for. And they just shared the same brain in that way. <laughs> um, getting emotion out of um, real characters, real people knowing how to create a strong sense of presence. So they had something to add. Um, I, Roger and I called it VR dating, where you meet different developers and different VR creators to see who you best get along with. Um, so it was a long dating process for Roger, but it really worked out, I think, with... Well, that's good advice, I think, to, to makers about finding the right fit. And if you, you know, dating is the best example of always looking for the right fit for things to work. So it's probably a good analogy. Yeah. And he, he did look at CG and immersive interactive, but it just never quite quite hit with him so this really connected um do you want to tell a little bit what the film's about oh sure so traveling while black um is generally about the green book and the green book was a crowdsourced book during the days of segregation where it was not necessarily safe or open for black people to travel and so it was a crowdsourced book that that showed where you could stay where you could eat uh generally places that were accepting and, and welcome to to black people yeah and the book is uh the the documentary the vr documentary traveling while black 
is about um, the Green Book, but mainly about the past connected to the present. And it all takes place inside of Ben's Chili Bowl, which has been a safe haven for a lot of people over time. So it does, it does you know, create this concept of, of safe spaces, but it takes you back from the 60s to now, um, hearing stories of people and what they went through, as well as to present day, including um, Tamir Rice's mom, uh, which didn't happen that long ago, just to talk about how far we've come, but how far we haven't come at all. It's really emotional. Um, and what's also really incredible about the piece is that I think in the past, especially with uh, live action VR cameras, there's been a challenge of proximity where you have to keep a certain distance. But with this latest camera, you would sit right next to the characters um, or the subjects. And it makes such a big difference of feeling like they're close to you because mm-hmm. so much about experiencing VR is an embodied experience. So when you actually feel like you're closer to someone, it changes the way that you connect with the, the people that you're with. Um, Why is the story uh, work well with immersive versus if someone were to try something uh, rectilinear? What do you get out of it in immersive that you couldn't necessarily with a flatty? Yeah, this has actually been really interesting also to hear the the reactions of people. Um, I, I generally think within a rectilinear film, uh, you understand it's a, it's a story that you're kind of intellectually understanding of what's going on. You can have a strong emotional resonance, but you know that that's not necessarily happening to you. Within a VR experience that's done right, you feel like it's an experience that's happening to you. Um, we had, uh, let's see, Joan Salzman, she's a reporter for CNET. When she watched it, she, she made a really interesting point. She said, normally if she's in an intimate space with um, people from a different race, they'll notice that she's from a different race and the conversation won't be as open. Um, but within this, it just felt like the first time she was privy to an experience she wouldn't have had in real life. Um, And she felt immersed in that space. And through being able to have that proximity, it gave her a very different vision experience of this intimate conversation that opened her eyes to certain topics and certain experiences that in life she wouldn't necessarily have. Um, And then to people of color who watched the piece, to them, it felt just almost every person had an experience that they can personally connect to that was somewhat similar. maybe perhaps validated in their, you know, their experience being shown in a way that maybe others might understand them or maybe a sense of recognition or someone understands me or... Possibly. I think everyone had a bit of a different takeaway. Um, It just, it brought things up. (laughs) Yeah, definitely brought things up. Well... Yeah. And... uh, you it's know, an emotional topic for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it was, it's, you know, when I think of like, for instance, when I saw Carne and Arena, which is the Alejandro and Aritu piece, um, it was interesting because so much of it is the larger installation that, that you go through. Um, and I think you need that installation to go through that VR experience for the VR experience to, to really take hold, take your hold feet in the sand, and- your feet in the sand. Um, and then the after part. So I go through the experience of Carne and Arena and I, uh, you know, go through being caught crossing the border. And what really hit home with that is afterwards when I was actually listening to the real stories of people who went through these experiences. And I had so much more of an emotional response and 
I felt like it was because my body actually had a feeling of what it might have felt like to go through that. Of the physicality. Yeah, that, you know, it's just kind of muscle memory or just the the physical trauma of it. And the visceral embodiment. Yeah, yeah, and I think we hear about immigration issues every day and we hear about all these numbers and we hear about all these statistics, but when it really drives home into your body, you connect with it on a much more human level. And so I think it's similar to that with Traveling While Black. It's this memory of you sitting with these people who have had these experiences and connecting it with it on a much more deeper level in a much more embodied way. Wow. It sounds like a very powerful film. Um, how is it going to be distributed? Well, we launched it at Sundance. And so we actually also partnered with the New York Times OpDocs. So you can watch it on the OpDocs page on their 360 web player. But I do highly recommend seeing it in a headset. It's a completely Any different experience. Any particular headset you want to <laughs> we have it, Well, we have it on all of our headsets. We have it on Oculus Go, on Oculus Rift, um, on Gear VR. So it's out on all of them right now, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, so it's available. Yeah, it's, the point of it is to really show as many people as possible. Well, that's great. Is there any kind of trends that you foresee in either storytelling or VR that you're excited about? Yeah, I think personally what I find very exciting is this blurring lines between what's a game and what's not a game. Oh. And this push towards interactive storytelling. I think back to where I started from about a decade ago and thinking about being a participant really makes you feel engaged. But to create, be part of an experience where you... Under, where the interactivity is incredibly intuitive mm-hmm. and you don't feel like you're distracted from making the choices within a storytelling form and that we're pushing forward on understanding that perfect blend of an intuitive interactions where the story just really flows, but you feel so much more engaged. An example of that is another project that we're supporting called Wolves in the Walls, where they worked with an immersive theater team to figure out what's the most um what are the most intuitive ways that a character can move and ways of guiding you and motivating you to do something where you don't necessarily recognize it, but it adds to the storytelling. That's the kind of stuff that I think is really going to create powerful experiences for people, a convergence of immersive theater, of gaming, of filmmaking, um, in that perfect storytelling form. I think that's, uh, to me, that's kind of where the the key is. Well, since you've been in this field for a decade, is there anything you can tell us or tell storytellers things that they should be thinking about but they're not, you know, especially for our people that are transferring from regular cinema now to VR that they should be thinking about? I think it depends what their goal is. I'm always a believer in just pushing the artistic sentiment. So I can tell really quickly when a piece has an authenticity from the artistic vision versus it just trying to be something or it just trying to be something cool. So I do think everything starts with just a very honest, um, authentic intent. Um, and I know that's a broad statement, but I, I, I believe in that because I think you can really see that that creator's vision. And ultimately, it, it depends. I th- definitely think there's a difference within live action 360 video and CG interactive immersive. And both of them have their unique qualities and their unique attributes, but both of them have different approaches that they should take. That's great. Well, thank you very much, Yelena. I really appreciate your letting us spend some time here in the Oculus. What room is it? You know, <laughs> conference room, but it's perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 